Hello and welcome to the Grove Church Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are so glad that you're joining us. Whether you are a member and you're just catching up on a sermon that you missed or you're someone who's brand new, we are really glad that you are joining us. And if you are new in some way, and I know that a lot of people will do that, will listen to sermons first before they visit, I want you to know that we would love to meet you at any point. You can join us live in our services on Sunday, 9 and 1030, or our streaming service at 1030. Either way, we would love to be able to get to know you. And regardless of why you are here uh, listening to this sermon today, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning again. You say good morning again back. Hey, we're glad you're here, especially if you're worship, if you worship online also, we're glad you're here. Um, like I said, we are in the middle of a series on relationships. And normally, um, we try to, for the most part, knowing that people's Come and go, attendance, attendance patterns, always new people. You know, we try, try to have the sermons can kind of stand alone. But we're kind of building through something here, and so I need to make sure everybody's caught up. We'll kind of spend some time just kind of talking about, you know, not marriage relationships specifically, but just really we're talking about just kind of what happens when, when there's a problem in the relationships, talking a lot about conflict resolution and forgiveness and what that means. And we started last week. And looked at a passage where essentially what God says is above everything else, above everything else, we, God has called us to be people who love and love one another well. And a big part of that is forgiving and not just simply forgiving, but forgiving the way that Jesus Christ has forgiven us. But that sometimes we kind of talk about those ideas, love and forgiveness in incredibly simplistic ways where we're not really... But what, what, what about when it gets really hard and difficult? And what, is, what does forgiveness really mean? And how do I love somebody when, when things are really broken? And how do I forgive somebody when it seems like the relationship is just broken and can't get right? Like, what do, what do we do? And so we're kind of going to continue to build on that from week to week. And if you were here last week, uh, my little kind of joking intro was just about how sometimes I have a difficulty breaking up with TV shows. That you watch a TV show for a year or two, and then you know, start, the people start to become like friends, and you become invested, but then eventually it's not good anymore, and you have to break up. And like the biggest one for us back in the day, a long time ago, was ER. We talked about that. After like six, seven, eight years of this, it's kind of like, we don't even know these people anymore. And, but it was, it was difficult. It was emotional. And you were thinking, this dude is weird. And, and, and I'm thinking, I know I'm weird, and I'm going to weird it up for you even deeper here because there was this moment, it was a couple years ago, where my, my wife is looking like over my shoulder, and I'm on my Gmail, and um, the sheer number, uh, the little red number that just is a, it's like a, a beacon that says how many unread email messages I have, and it's an overwhelming number. It's like, what is that? And I'm like, well, you know, I just, I don't, I don't look and read at every ad that I get from something that I'm subscribed to, you know, and, it's, and I just don't, and then I'm not deleting them. It's like, and she looks, it's like, this, you, your email address is full of this. It's like, I know, which is why sometimes I just have to walk away from an email address. You ever done that? You just got an email address. I just have to walk away from it. I got to start a new one. Clofton at Yahoo is dead. It's not dead. I still give it away sometimes as an email address, but I don't ever use it. It's just nothing but ads. And she says to me, you know, you can unsubscribe from some of that. I'm like, you, you can? Yeah. And like in my, my brain, I'm like, I never thought about it. I mean, I, 
I signed up for it. I mean, and I asked them to do this. And so now you just, this is kind of the price you have to pay. You just have to do like email. You can unsubscribe. And so I did it like a, hand, a handful of them that I just kind of unsubscribed from. And I was like, that, was, that felt kind of nice. And so this week, this part of the, this week, I'm, I'm sitting there and I was like, I still just feel overwhelmed by this. So I'm just going to look in the last two days, anything I've gotten, I'm just going to start unsubscribing. And there was times, and again, this is my, I'm not, I'm not portraying to you this as normal. Write that down. I'm like, oh, man, I don't, I don't know if I feel good about this. Like, I mean, like, I, mean, I, I, mean, I go to this restaurant all the time. And like, do they ever send, like sometimes maybe they send me an email that I want. I'm like, I don't just completely unsubscribe. I mean, I want to know when 99 cent corn dog day is at Sonic. I mean, it's like, <laughs> but Heidi, she's the queen of corn dogs at Sonic. And so she'll, she'll tell me. And so I'm unsubscribing from this. And the sheer number of emails that I've got, it's like, it's been glorious how few emails that I've gotten this week. And I'm like, man, that's just weird. It's weird. It's, 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 it's this amount of weird to talk about that with a TV show. It's this amount of weird. So you can only imagine what I'm like in real relationships. Like when a, when a, when a relationship that matters, that is valuable to you, when it just seems to get broken and broken in a way that it, I, don't know how, I don't know how or if this could ever get back together, how do you deal with it? And the more serious example that I use, and again, this is just kind of briefly catch up Everybody who is new here, especially our families here on the, on the front here, um, about 20 years ago, I was fired from a church, from a guy who was my friend, was one of my, really one of my best friends at the time, um, fired me after four years, told me the whole church, anything, that, all the problems the church had were 100% my fault, I was reasoning church wasn't doing well, you're fired, you should never pastor again, you're terrible at this, don't ever do it again, and then was systematically working his way through every person in the congregation alphabetically to tell the story about how I was an angry person with a huge temper problem and he's tried to keep it from everybody, but that's one of the reasons why I had to go. Something that in the four years I worked with him, he never said, in the 15 years I knew him before that, we've never talked about. It was, and it was just, it was, it was overwhelming. And so the question is, and I kind of left this as a spoiler um, because somebody, after, somebody who was here last week was like, can you finish that story for me? He's like, no, I'm not going to finish that story for you. you got to come back next week. It's like, I'm from out of town. It's like, it's too bad. And so, <laughs> so I'm not going to finish it this week either. We get a little bit further down the road. So sorry, 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 not sorry. Um, so what do you do? Like, what do you do when someone you believe to be your very, one of your very best friends is going to all of your friends and, and telling what you believe to be lies about you? In order, in order to lift them up and damage me and to make it seem okay that I'm, I'm being pushed aside. What do you do? Do you fight for justice? Do you just forgive and let nothing happen? What do you do? Like, what, what do you do? And I would like to suggest that there is not an easy, clear-cut answer to kind of what you do. It's, it feels like an overwhelming circumstance, and it is. But there's a passage that, is, that was very important to me at that time and really has kind of been a kind of an anchor passage for us as a family from the very beginning, and I, in part because in addition to my wife and I writing our own vows to each other, and we got married, it's almost 30 years ago, we also wrote vows together that we recited as kind of our pledge to God as to kind of the family, the kind of family we wanted to be. And in that um, was one of the verses that is going to be here in this passage in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, 
As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So surrounded, there's a lot of what we'll call negative commands kind of surrounding that passage. And a negative command, simply what we mean by that is a do not do something. A don't do this, don't do this. Don't take revenge, you know, don't, don't take revenge. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't be overcome by evil. There's all these negative commands, but surround, they all surround a, a positive command, an ideal, a principle that God wants us to live by. And it is this verse that was core to, um, that was part of our wedding vows that Heidi and I made to, um, to God in our wedding. And it's this in verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So we made a pledge there during that, during that time that we wanted to be a family of peace, that we were going to be the kind of family that was doing what it could to be at peace with everyone, that that was the pledge that we made. And, and it's kind of been this anchor verse for me and an anchor verse for our family. But honestly, what I think and believe that that verse is saying and what we're supposed to do has really kind of changed because there's a lot of depth and what seems like a very simple verse. And so we're going to look at at its simplest and then just kind of get deeper and deeper with what it is really that God is calling us to here. And at its simplest, this is what God is calling us to. That God has called us to make peace. Don't repay evil for evil. You know, don't take revenge. Don't be overcome by evil. But those are things we're not supposed to do. And in the, in the core of that, what God has called us to is to be people that make peace. When, as much as it depends on you, you be at peace with everyone. And this is an ideal all throughout the scripture. It is something that, that Jesus says. If you're familiar with this sermon that's in there called the Sermon on the Mount, it's a collection of Jesus' teaching, this one thing called the Beatitudes, Blessed are the peacemakers is what, is, is what Jesus says. I mean, they're, 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 they're going to be thought of as God's own children, the people who are people who make peace. This is an important value. This is what God has called us to. And so this verse is echoing in my mind. This is what God wants me to do. He wants me to be someone who as much as I can, I want to be someone who makes peace. And so as I'm hearing this, they're working their way down the list. Um, I reach out and I was like, man, there seems like there's some things going on and I would like to talk about it. So it was me, um, him, and another person from the church to kind of act as an arbiter of sorts. And I kind of put it out there and I'm like, hey, listen, this is, this is not cool what you're doing. I don't like this thing that you said about me, that you kind of put all of this on me. And now you're going around telling all these people that I'm this overwhelmingly angry person. I don't appreciate that. Now, I did not know that then, but I know it now with a little bit more experience is that I had, I had unwittingly walked into a trap. And you just kind of follow along here with me. Like, hey, you're saying this about me and I don't appreciate it. And I feel like the response that I got was very smug, a lot of denial. Oh, that's not really happening. You're exaggerating that. And in fact, really, it all is your fault. And it really, that really is the kind of person you are. But I would never go around and say that to people. And like, but it is. Everybody keeps calling me. And so eventually, he's just kind of being smug. And there's a lot of denial. And what do you think I did? 
I got angry. And then he's like, see, this is what I'm talking about. And, and, and I didn't, had no, I, I could not see it coming then. I see it coming a lot more now. And people will do this to me and people, you do this and you probably do it to the person that you're sitting right next to where you set them up in a way where your complaint against them is, is a trap. What do you mean? You might say, it's like, you know what? No matter what I say, you have to disagree with me. What's, what's the right response to that? No, that's not true. See, you just always have to be right about everything. No, I don't. See, it's what I'm talking, this is what I'm talking about. And so, good piece of advice here, don't be that kind of person. Don't be the kind of person that sets those kinds of traps. That is not going to make any peace. If your goal is to be right, to hurt someone, to bring them down, you can, but that's not the thing that's gonna make peace. And so I find myself in these situations now where I'm like, hey, listen, it seems like I'm kind of being put in this situation here and I don't feel comfortable. I don't know how to respond because it seems like no matter how I respond, it is going to be an example of what you're talking about. So how would you suggest that we move forward and begin to have a conversation about this? But in this particular instance, I did. I lost my temper and nothing remotely close to peace happened. And I'm telling you, I am overwhelmed with anxiety. I feel like I'm doing the thing, like this is this verse. It's not just a verse that's in the Bible. It is part of this pledge that I made a long time ago is meant to be this core ideal for our family. And I'm like, and I, I, I went to try to make peace and I couldn't, it didn't, it didn't work. It didn't happen. Things are as bad or worse than they were before. And now I'm overwhelmed because I have failed at what this verse has asked me to do. But the reality is, I had missed something, missed some very significant things that are contained in this verse because there's a thing that is happening in my brain because I'm getting confused and I'm, I'm conflating a lot of deals. I don't know the difference between forgiveness and peace. That I know that God wants me to forgive, but what does forgiveness look like when the person is not sorry? Can there be peace? Can, can, how, how, can, am I truly forgiving? Because in my mind, if I'm forgiving somebody, and every, that means everything's going to get back to normal. If I'm someone that is pursuing peace, that means everyone is going to be happy and everything is going to be good. But for, for forgiveness is this and, 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 and peace, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm failing because I have a goal. My goal is restoration for the relationship to get back to what it was for there to be peace and there's not but there's a richness and a depth to this verse that I'm missing out on if it is possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone and there's actually two qualifiers there and one very specific one that says this God has called us to make peace, but peace isn't always, peace isn't always possible. It's just not possible. I mean, it says very, very clearly right there, if it's possible, which, which, which makes it very clear, sometimes it is not. And not only is sometimes it's not, it's, it's not possible, if, if it, maybe it's possible. And then you can only do what you're going to do. If it is possible to be at peace, you should try and you should do 
what you can do. As much as it depends on you, make peace. And so one, it could not be possible. And I can only do what I can do. And so I am, I'm overwhelmingly anxious and I don't know what to do because I feel like I, I, have, I have to make peace here. And in the meantime, now I've gotten another job. We're packing up our house and we're getting ready to leave. And it's like, I can't leave here without there being peace. So I set up a meeting with them one more time, more with an idea of I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my cool and I'm going to try to understand this a little bit better. And I'm like, guys, I don't want us to leave this way. This is not what I want. I don't, I don't, I don't want this. I, I, I can't take responsibility for all of this. I mean, I know I, I made some mistakes. I wasn't perfect at what I did, but I certainly don't think that I deserve all of what has happened since then. And again, it was just kind of met with a shrug. And so I moved away. And you would think, you would hope that maybe the story could, you know, take a turn there and I could describe to you what it was like where I kind of had this revelation then of, well, I did what I can. There can't be peace here, but I can have peace. But it was not six months later that I am looking on a map, looking for whatever the perfect middle spot between Cabot, Arkansas and St. Louis, Missouri. As I found this little town in Southern Missouri and it had a pizza hut. And I reached out to them. Is there any way we could get together again? I just, I just still feel completely unresolved about this. And looking back on it, I mean, I know why I did it. I did it because I was an anxious mess who was trying to control a situation I couldn't control. Why they said they wanted to meet, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why they did. Nothing had changed in their heart. Maybe they thought I was finally willing to fess up to being a rageaholic who torpedoed the church. But I was like, man, I still don't feel good about the way that we left things. And it was like, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. And, and then I drove home. So then your mind, your heart, your brain, it just starts to, starts to think like, what, what is it really that God is calling me to? Because I have this, this thing in me that God is calling me to make peace. But what do I do when it doesn't work? I, I, I can be at peace. And I can say, I, I did the thing I did the thing that I believe that God has called me to do. And then I just have to learn to be okay. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's not an, it's not an easy thing to do. Because really we want to fall into kind of one of these two camps. There are some of us that are, you know, if, if okay, I, I can show you how I can make peace. And your idea of making peace is bringing more conflict. You hit me, I'll hit you back. And then we'll see who hits hardest and then we can, then we can, we can make peace. And then some of us like to just avoid it altogether. Uh, it's, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And it's not fine, and you're not fine. This rough, weird space. I'm not trying to inflict punishment. I'm not going to say things are fine when they're not. But I want to be someone who brings, tries to bring peace, knowing it may not work. Because there are a lot of times... Here is one of them, but there have been a lot of examples over time where in order for me to make peace from their perspective, what I would need to do is to admit to something being true that is not true. I do not believe I have a raging temper problem, and I do not believe that I am solely responsible 
for the downfall of this church. I don't believe that is accurate. I can't agree to it. I've been in relationships where a certain theological position that I hold, this is what the church believes about this. And this is what I also believe about it, which is why I'm a part of this church. And this is what I believe. It's like, well, we can't be friends if this is what you believe. It's like, well, I don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't, I'm not, I can't change a, a core belief about what I believe who God is, about what God says, about the nature of his word or about the nature of his son, about the nature of the gospel, about the implications of all those things. I can't, I can't just change what I believe so that you and I can be friends. And if that's the cost, I can't, I can't pay it. And those are kind of big picture kind of pastor concerns, but we kind of have those things all the time on different scales in our relationship where it seems like the cost of peace is in order you have to change some core principle of your belief system or who, who you are, who what you believe God is, what you believe to be moral and right, what you believe is true about what happened, and you just can't do it. And then peace is not possible. And so I want to say that, but I also want to say what I guess we'll just call the inverse of that. Don't be that sort of person. Do not be the sort of person that can only be at peace with the people around you if they agree with you about the core truths and principles of life. If you have been here more than three times, you have probably heard me say something about this, about how broken and divided and at war our world is. And not just our world, our country, not just our country, but our relationships everywhere. That I can only be friends, I can only be peace, I can only be good with people who think like I think and do what I do and believe what I believe. And if you don't, then you are the enemy. The amount of enemy language out there that is out there when we're really just talking about just things that we believe or think or value I'm not asking anyone to compromise the, the, the core beliefs of who they believe that God has called them to be. But can we be the sorts of people that even when we find ourselves in those sorts of situations where there is a core level disagreement about what is right, that we can still be at peace. Maybe the relationship, the closeness of the relationship doesn't work anymore. Maybe we can't partner the way that we used to but that is not the same thing as there can't be peace. But we get all of these words mixed up and intertwined, and so we just leave ourselves just messes everywhere because forgiveness really is about what happens inside of you. I know I choose right now to no longer live a life where I feel like you owe me something. I am canceling that debt you do not owe me anything anymore. We are, I'm fine. I forgive you. And what the relationship looks like next really depends a lot on whether or not they're sorry or they say that they're sorry, but they're not, or they say they're sorry and they are. How, that, how we move forward, it depends. Peace is something different than that. Agree to disagree is different than agreeing. Reconciliation is a different word. Restoration of the relationship is a different word. These are all different ideas. I believe that God has called us to kind of do what we can as much as it depends on you, if it's possible to bring those things about. 
And so I'm going to be someone who does not choose to bring more conflict. I'm not, I'm going to choose to not be someone who just avoids these situations. I'm going to step into what feels to be an unclear mess. I don't know how to resolve this and I don't know how far we can get in the resolution. But I do know that I am no longer going to hold this against you and what I want is peace. And then I step into it. Because if there is anything that this world needs more of, it's less people holding grudges and more people pursuing peace. It may not be possible, but if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, let us, let's have peace. And so we've got that at the core and it's complicated, it's weird, it's messy. And I wish that I could promise you that by the time we get through all four weeks of this, that it's going to be very clear. I wish I could be handing you A leads to B leads to C leads to D and then everything's going to be fine. That's what I've been striving for for my whole life and it's and has made me a mess. But it's not like that. It's not clear. It's a little messy and it's the kind of thing we got to step into knowing it is. But surrounding this thing in the middle that has all of these qualifiers in it, we surround, again, Paul surrounds it with all of these commands that we like, that we're going to like way less. There's going to be hardly anybody in here that's going to disagree with the idea. Yeah, we should try to be peaceful people. Great. You're going to agree with it, but it's complicated. Then there's going to be the part outside of it that you disagree with, but it's actually fairly simple. And it's this, God has called us to make peace. It's not always possible, but punishment is God's job. You've got a job. God's got a job. It's not the same job. It is not your job to punish the people who have hurt you. It's not your job. It is not your responsibility. If you, if you say, forgive somebody, you're trying to make peace in a relationship and they are not sorry, you are not being called to extract a confession from them. You don't have them handcuffed to the table and you're in the chair, and there's some good cop, bad cop routine, or bad cop, bad cop, bad cop, worse cop. You're not good cop. You're not bad cop. You're not a cop at all. You're not, that, that is not the role that you play. If we're going to make this a law and order episode, maybe you're the victim. You are not the cop. You are not responsible for whether or not someone is or is not punished. It is not good cop, bad cop. It is good person and God. And in any sort of situation, there is a triangle between you and this person and who you are going to be to God and who they are going to be to God and who God is to both of you. And there's a responsibility that you have in the relationship. There's a responsibility that you have to God and then there is what is between them and God. And we've got to learn to understand and appreciate there's what I'm called to do and then there's what is God called to do. It is none of your concern whether or not punishment should be put out there. Does this person need to be punished for what they did to me? That is not your concern. How is God going to punish them? Also not your concern. I was talking with somebody in between services, so I just kind of want to put a little asterisk next to this. He was talking about a 
a church that he's familiar with where the pastor turns out is embezzling several hundred thousand dollars from the church. And the church has decided they're not going to press charges for ambiguous Christian-y reasons, I suppose. I'm not so sure about that. So we'll say, leave it to God and sometimes the government. <laughs> not always the government. Just because somebody hurt your feelings doesn't mean you need to sue them or anything. This is God's job. It's not, it's, it's, it's not, it's not my concern. And I mean that both in aggressive ways and passive aggressive ways. I'm not going to punish you by trying to hurt you back. And I'm not going to punish you in a passive aggressive way. If punishment is needs to be meted out, I'm going to empower God to do that. And then he says something. He uses this illustration at the end that I don't want to, I don't want to talk trash against Paul or something that's in the Bible. But for me personally, sometimes I found it to be a, actually an unhelpful illustration. He says, don't be mean to them. Instead, be nice. If they're hungry, you feed them and you love them. And he says, in doing this, you're going to heap burning coals on their head. And I would just say that at some point, that's not a helpful metaphor for me. He's like, okay, okay, I'm not going to punish them. Instead, I'm going to be nice. And what's going to happen if I'm nice to them is their head is going to burn. That's not helpful. But I would also like to suggest that, that is not what God is suggesting either. It's true. Being kind to someone that is hurtful to you is, is hurtful to you is going to have an effect. But you're not doing it, so it will hurt them. You're just being who God has called you to be. And you're leaving space for God to do what God is going to do. There's what God has called me to do. There's what God has called them to do, and there's what God says he will do. And we've got to learn to understand what all of those different things are and learn to be comfortable that that's going to lead to vastly different conclusions to a lot of different conflicts. There's going to be conflicts that are going to feel unresolved, and it seems like God isn't stepping in the way that he should. There's going to be conflicts that are resolved and it feels like that God does step in. There are going to be some conflicts that are able to be resolved. Every possible combination is out there and you live long enough and you start to experience it. But God isn't calling us to produce outcomes because it's not possible. And it's very explicitly said. If, it's, if this outcome is possible, that'd be great. But God isn't calling us to produce outcomes. He is calling us to be his people. He is calling us to represent his son, Jesus Christ, well, who full of love, full of forgiveness, full of compassion, sacrificed himself so that the world could be reconciled to God. And we are called to be the sorts of people that through sacrifice and compassion and forgiveness, are trying to live the same way in order to accomplish the same mission to help other people be reconciled to God. I wanna love well, I wanna forgive well. I wanna try to make peace. And above and over all of that, I need to trust God for whatever the outcome may be. 
again, I wish I could, I w- I w- I wish I could make it simple. There, there, is, there is nothing more frustrating to me as a communicator than to put something out there that I know even, even at its best explained just feels complicated. But at its simplest, let us in all of our relationships, no matter what the outcome, let us show the world the love of Jesus Christ by loving, forgiving, and seeking peace. Let me pray. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for your son and his example. Thank you for the compassion that he shows, showed all of us on the cross and continues to show us every day. <laughs> I thank you for how that has changed my life. And it is motivating me and compelling me to be more and more like him. So again, all the relationships that we have from the past, the things that we're dealing with right now, the things that are coming in the future. God, I pray that you would help us be men and women of peace, forgiveness, love, compassion. And we would let you do your part and leave the outcomes to you. And again, we are so thankful for Jesus and it's in his name that we pray, amen. Thanks again for joining us on our sermon podcast and you can learn more about us at thegrovechurch.org. And if you go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect, there's a form you could fill out. Just let us know that you've been listening. And if you wanna dig deeper on some of these topics that we cover in our sermon podcast or just in other issues of dealing with culture or theology, those kinds of things, uh, you can check out our Cultivate podcast, which is on the same feed, um, however you found this particular podcast. So again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at The Grove, and thank you so much for joining us.